Good afternoon, MLB Pro Nerds. Uh, I'm your uh, Oakland A's GM, Scott Gessford, and today I am with the anonymous GM. Comey's under the weather. So uh, welcome, anonymous GM. How are you today? I'm fantastic. It's an honor to always fill in for John whenever I can. It's impossible shoes to fill, but glad to be here with you. Good. And I know John wishes he could be here, but he's not. So I'm going to start off the way John would normally start off. And let's look at the divisional recaps right now for May 23rd, 2023. In the AL East, the Toronto Blue Jays and Tampa Bay Rays are, are tied for first. Five games ahead of the Orioles and six ahead of Boston. In the AL Central, the Minnesota Twins hold a six-game lead over the Tigers. In the AL West, the Angels have a three-game lead over Houston and Oakland and a six-game lead over Seattle. In the NL East, the Braves hold a two-and-a-half-game lead over the Surgeon Nationals and a four-and-a-half-game lead over the Phillies. In the NL Central, the Milwaukee Brewers have a game-and-a-half lead over Cincinnati Reds and two over the St. Louis Cardinals. And in the NL West, the Colorado Rockies have a game-and-a-half lead over the Dodgers and an eight-game lead over the Diamondbacks. So, Anonymous GM, is there anything there that kind of sticks out to you or surprises you? Standings as a whole, I would say, again, I mean, I know we're going to get hate from uh, Jim for this, but not really. Uh, I mean, what has changed in the past month? We've got four teams above 500 in the AL East. I think that was... Maybe one one more than maybe we expected at this point in time. I think we're starting to see the Red Sox surging again with the play of Sawyer Cleveland. The Twins look like the class of the American League Central again. Sorry, Jim. AL West clumped up. I think there's some surprise in Seattle to a degree, but injuries galore there. The AL, the NL East rather, I think the Nationals play of late as the surprise winners of nine of their last ten have climbed right back into the thick of things there. The Brewers surging, um, leading the division, as you even pointed out, under 500. The NL Central um, continues to NL Central its way through things. And the Rockies playing great. Diamondbacks haven't quite hit that surge that maybe some expected. Giants are playing well. Uh, the two, There are two teams that I will say are surprising me a little bit with their play here in May. You have... The Cleveland uh, pitching. Let me pull this up so I can get the right numbers. Cleveland here in May, eleven and eight, and uh, I think that that was a surprise uh, after their April and just where things yeah. stood, uh, looking from the outside. But Cleveland playing really well, so surprised by that. Good. So uh, I wanted to chat with you a little bit about about recent trades and get your take on some of them. Uh, if we go back to uh, Thursday, May 18th, we see a Tampa Bay Rays and the Washington Nationals do a trade where Tampa Bay sent Ethan Reed and uh, Washington sent Taylor Davis to Tampa. What did you think about this trade? I mean, I don't, I don't know if there was a whole lot to this. Uh, difference makers, I think Ethan Reed's potential uh, in the bullpen is where he would be best served for his career, I think, with his great stuff. Tampa Bay's plethora of young arms in their farm system made Reed expendable. Uh, so dealing a position of strength, uh, I don't mind dealing Reed at all. Davis, 
doesn't he's the goal with him is you're getting a guy who's not going to strike out a ton. He's got some speed. He can play up the middle. But he's your number nine hitter. Um, did you did you need to deal someone like Reed to to bring in a number nine hit, bottom of the order type in Davis to supplant someone like a Brady McConnell? Uh, you have Nathan Dreamer on the bench. Could he have slid over uh, to the middle of the order, or the middle of the, the field rather, or even Cruz? Uh, no. So I don't know. There, there wasn't a whole lot to this trade that that I saw as difference makers uh, for the immediate immediate uh, time frame. Yeah, and this sent uh, DeChambeau back to AAA to figure things out, I think, was the other reason. Yeah, that, that's true. So the next, a couple days later, San Francisco and Pittsburgh made a trade that maybe uh, shocked some people, where uh, Pittsburgh trade uh, Mason Marley to the San Francisco Giants for Gary Matthews the third. uh JT Ginn and Christopher Cruz. Were you surprised by this trade? Was I surprised? I mean, I don't think we were surprised by the trade because of, of the fact that Marley had been on the trade block and, and we knew Pittsburgh was looking to move him. Uh, so surprised he was moved? No. The reasoning behind the trade, again, every GM is entitled to do whatever they feel is best. Um, I, I don't think we are here to to say what's right or what's wrong, but this is one of those deals that kind of makes you scratch, at least makes me personally scratch my head back to this past off season. And that was the big deal that they gave Mark Appel. They gave Mark Appel what? $30 million this year, 30 for 2024, 2025, 29 million in 2026, 26 and 27, and then a player option for 25 million in 2028. For a team that we knew wasn't most knew wasn't going to win this year. So the, the move wasn't for this year. Um, you're getting a guy who pitches once every fifth day instead of a center fielder who a year ago posted a six worst season. So if if you had a if you were a rebuilding team again, 25 still had plenty of team control with arbitration, good defender, good speed, good power. And again, Marley hasn't played well this year. Um so I understand if, if you weren't loving what you're seeing from him, but the potential there for a guy who could play every every day versus a pitcher, the money you gave Mark Appel, I, that's my head scratcher with this move. Um, and, and again, we've seen this bullpen be erect. Again, could that Mark Appel money been made better elsewhere? Uh, and, and I think we are seeing that with this trade. I like Gary Matthews. JT Ginn has the potential to come in and be a, Seventh, eighth, ninth inning type, probably seventh or eighth inning. Uh, but he's been really good at AAA, striking out 23 batters in 17 and two thirds innings, 11.7 per nine innings. His walks are under two per nine. There's a lot to like with JT again. Um, so Gary, if Gary Matthews uh, can can hold down a, a a center field job in the future, I really like what Pittsburgh did. But it, it just goes back to. Was this trade needed if the money was spent more efficiently this past offseason? That's that's where I stand with this trade. Yeah, and I know Jonathan was looking to to next year, hoping to be competitive next year. And um, some of his uh, top prospects are struggling, including the recently promoted. Which one did he promote? Uh, Abrams, C.J. Abrams. 
And yeah, made his debut last night. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I know he's taking some development hits and and stuff, so we'll see how the Pirates' pieces come together, their minor league pieces. The, the, the one piece that I think they, they expect and I expect to, to figure things out here at some point, um, the, the bullpen, again, has been a mess. But Jonah Ryan is talented. Uh, he's too talented. To, his stuff is too good to be giving up 27 hits in 18 and 18 innings. Um, control was always going to be iffy, but but that stuff there's there's too many hits given up. So I expect that to to be worked out, and I think that'll give them some identity in the bullpen to go with the likes of Richardson and Sam Baisley, who's off to a decent start. Yeah, when you have a Babbitt of three eighty nine, that's that's hard to. Hard to overcome. It it also allowed them uh, some of these decisions to to go younger again sooner. Uh, we will see Adam Kloppenstein back in the major league rotation tonight, getting a start. So excited to see how that plays out. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And then just uh, the other day, uh, Jonathan and I made a trade where I acquired Jeff Wallace and gave up Tyler Brennan and Reese Dalton. Uh, yeah, that gives you two Jeff Wallace's on the major league roster. Have fun with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> Jeff Wallace, the, the pitcher you just acquired, the Oakland A's rather just acquired from Pittsburgh, is an interesting one. Two years ago, in the American League, he really struggled. Last year in the American League with the White Sox, he wasn't wasn't bad at all. Um, the stuff the stuff was better last year than it was this year. This year's twenty to twenty twenty three version on paper resembles closer to the one that struggled in the American League in twenty twenty one. I know there has been talk of having too many starting pitchers in Oakland. How will this Jeff Wallace fit in with the other five uh, in the rotation? Will be interesting to see. But I, I have no issue with Pittsburgh moving on from from Jeff Wallace here. Uh, Tyler Brennan is a young arm. Growing uh, high nineties, uh, four pitch arsenal, had was off to a decent start at Double A this year. Uh, control iffy, but on paper, scouts really like what they see from Brennan. So, yeah, you got younger. Wallace wasn't going to be there long term for, for Pittsburgh. So, like the trade for both sides. Right. Okay. And then let's move on to the Mets. The trade of Alberto Vega to. Uh, Oh, where do you go to? Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. What do you make of that trade? I mean, and the Mets retained 100% of his contract. That's my issue with this trade. If you're going to trade a pitcher of the caliber of Alberto Vega, this is not Ryan Copeland. This is not a one-year rental. This is not a 30-something-year-old pitcher on a team that has a bad budget. The Mets' budget's ginormous. Um. So they're capable. They're capable of eating Alberto Vega's contract. They are. But Alberto Vega is good enough that you could have gotten a good haul and not paid a dime. Uh, and to retain a hundred percent of your salary, of his salary, and only get back Shailene Gears and Maurice Hampton compared to what the Cubs got for Ryan Copeland, with Brock Bowers being the center point center point of that trade. Uh, I think the Cubs greatly outdid what the Mets did with this trade. Uh, 
because I think Alberto Vega is a difference maker still. Um, the other interesting aspect of this trade, uh, looking into the Mets situation, of all their minor league pieces, one of the positions that they're strongest at was catcher. Uh, you had Diego Cartaya, you had Patrick Bailey, Hunter Goodman. There were options behind the plate. Um, so to make this deal with a centerpiece of another catcher, let alone Corey Lee in the big leagues already, Ricardo Moreno, the Mets are loaded at catcher. Uh, and I know catcher isn't necessarily a position of strength across the league. So does this allow the Mets to flip some of their other assets for more pieces? I'll be intrigued to see that because the deal itself uh, left me scratching my head a little bit. Yeah, I know. Um, I know the A's had reached out about Vega too, and the concern was, you know, him on the road and pitching in Met Stadium, pretty good. On the road, not so good the last couple of years. And that may be a product of how badly the Mets have struggled, but that was a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what. what... The other side of things is, is the Colorado situation. You have Miguel Pineda, who's off to another good year. Bruce Dar Gratterall has been good. Trevor Bauer has not been good uh, for the first time in a long time. Scott Milligan's been fine. Uh, but they've been looking for for another pitcher. Uh, he recently had uh, Brendan Hanafi in the five spot. Hasn't thrown a, an inning yet. Uh, so, so to be able to bring in Alberto Vega and lengthen an already strong rotation – uh, probably the strongest rotation in the National League off the top of my head. Maybe the Dodgers. The Dodgers rotation is still good, but uh, right. this this definitely puts Colorado already among the best rotations in the National League. Takes them up even another level. Right. So, uh, and Colorado is in front right now. So that might strengthen their, their rotation and, and might help their, their bullpen too. Not having to go so many innings. Mm-hmm. The, the next trade out there is the Royals and Rangers where Texas uh, traded Jacob Skull to Kansas City uh, for uh, Jeremy Kingy and Marshall Larkin. Jacob Skull has refound his power. Ten homers already on the year on pace for 33 after hitting only 17 last year. The average is up. Strikeouts are down. The big, the big, perhaps the biggest change is the walks. Already 34 on pace for 112, 84 last year, 76 the year prior. Um, a guy that will be interesting to see where he slots into the lineup. My guess may, may be the two spot. In front of, uh, what do you do? Where do you put him? That is a good question. You have options. You can put him near the yeah. top of the lineup in front of a Lopez, Baker, Conine, Clemens. You can stick him at the bottom of the order behind DeSatis in front of Dan, uh, Hog and Danner. And next thing you know, your your lineup just got extended. So either either way, Jacob Skull gives them options. And uh, being able to take out a Gunnar Nelson will give them much more pop in the uh, in the lineup, so so I like it from that perspective. But I also like what what Texas did with this one. Um, you they brought back two talented players on a team that that needed talent. Jeremy Kinney was hitting three hundred. 
Uh, Jeremy Kenny hit 240 last year as a rookie, 13 homers. Uh, so you you have they they brought in a competent major league outfielder uh, in Jeremy Kenny and Marshall Larkin, a former I don't know when he was taken in the draft, but middle infield type, uh, not much speed, but again contact can hit the ball. Uh, three three hundred eight last year, three hundred five last year in the minors at AAA. This year, two eighty five. It's on base at three seventy five. He hit it. He hit in the low minors. He's sitting in the high minors. Twenty two years old, uh, a future big leaguer. Yeah, he was taken in the twenty nineteen draft in round uh, six by the Cincinnati Reds. Someone, the, the the one question I guess you have is where will he play in the future? Is he a second baseman long term? You're looking at Gustavo Lopez there. Uh, Shortstop Tyler Donaldson. I don't think you can push Larkin or Lopez there. So then you move one of them to third, but DeSatis is really good there. You're not going to replace Clemens at first unless you move Clemens to DH and get Conine out of the lineup in a year or two. So they will have to get a little creative with Larkin's path already being in the upper echelon of the minors. So where his path to the big leagues will be a little interesting in, in Kansas City, but definitely has the batting pedigree of a big leaguer. Right. And well, now he's with Texas. Oh, well, I, of course he got traded from Kansas city to Texas. Yeah, Sorry. You're looking Thank at the opposite for, way. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like, yes, makes that's so, so as I think I just explained why this trade makes perfect sense for Kansas city. Yeah. And, but I mean, he's not really going to replace Marino in Texas unless the, Plan is to trade Marino to open up a spot for Larkin. But Moreno can shift to shortstop. Uh, he's more than capable of playing shortstop, oh. and you can get Mike Murray out of the lineup, who is not a big leaguer. Uh, so that that there's, I don't think there's any issue there. Okay, so let's move on to the the last trade that just happened yesterday. Again, Pittsburgh and the Cardinals, an interdivisional trade where Pittsburgh trades Andres Yanis. And 100% retention in 2023, and the Cardinals get pitcher Shane Goldman. So I have to give, uh, as much as I wanted to question Pittsburgh with the first trade we discussed to theirs, I want to commend and applaud Jonathan and, and the front office for this trade. Uh, because for the last two or three weeks, we've seen Andres Yanez on the trade block. Uh, and the Selling point on Yanez has been, in my opinion, one that was tough to sell. Um, I didn't think they would be able to necessarily find a buyer. I thought he would end up being released, frankly. Um, so to be able to flip him and get a pitcher that I really like in Shane Goldman, I think they did a fantastic job. And if you're the Cardinals, and I know Aiden just last night was complaining about their offense and the struggles that they're having 11th in batting average, 11th in on-base percentage, 10th in slugging, 10th in OPS, 10th in war, 10th in Woba, 10th in run score, 10th in hits, 10th in extra base hits, 10th in home runs. So frankly, Aiden was right. They can't hit. Uh, but I'm not sure what adding Andres Hines does uh, at all. Do you think Golden will continue to be a starter down the road? Yeah. Yes. Shane Goldman is a starter. But that's I think so too, but I just wanted to ask. Well, and and you know, 
that whole NL Central is, is struggling when Milwaukee's leading the division with 23 wins, 24 losses. Cardinals are only two out. So do you see the Cardinals trying to make that move to get back into the lead? I mean, I don't, again, I mean, is that I, what I this was? If it was, it's the wrong move. Because Andre, again, I'm trying to pull this up, but he's one of those players that's impossible to find. So give me one second here. Uh, there he is. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's hitting 237. I know Jonathan and Pittsburgh, again, to their credit, was pumping up his on-base percentage, 344. Not bad. Don't care what his war is. But when you're a team that can't hit, you had a guy hitting 240. And again, there's no power. Uh, Andre Sienez is not a difference maker. Now, the one benefit for St. Louis, they didn't take on a dime. Uh, Pittsburgh was willing to, to pay the whole whole salary. But if you're St. Louis, you're now in, in responsible for a $10 million buyout this offseason. So while you're not paying any of the remaining of the $19 million owed to them this year, you're on the hook for $10 million uh, come October, November. Uh, so is yeah. – is, is Yandres, uh, uh the next five months of Andre Sinez worth $10 million in Shane Goldman? To me, again, the answer to that is simply no chance. Okay. So then we've also had a couple of injuries over the last few days. I know uh, Matt must be uh, heartbroken with the loss of uh, Funkhauser for maybe all of the rest of 2023 and most of, almost all of 2024 with the injury where do you see the angels going because do they have another pitcher that can step into the rotation or do you think they're out there you know on the phones trying to make a, a trade or sign a free agent i was told that there was some initial talk on Kyle ads uh the angels were quickly backed out of that uh, I was told that they are exploring other options. The two or three that kind of make the most sense when you're looking at them from an outsider's perspective is Luis Patino, a minor league arm, uh, 23-year-old who's ready. Uh, do they want three rookies in the rotation will be an interesting decision. They could go more towards AAA. Uh, what they promoted, it looks like, yesterday in AJ, AJ Puck, Jackson Holgerson. Uh, or the free agent route. Uh, I don't expect, I rarely expect the Angels to be one to make a trade. I don't see them making a trade here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do, though. Yeah, with all the people that they've lost over the last couple of years, uh, they have like $70 million to spend. So are they just going to make their owner rich? Um, again, I, I, you just look at their, their track record here, right? Yeah. Um, there's no reason to, this is a team that has always had a big budget and rarely spends it, uh, never spends it on payroll rather. I, I think it's safe to say that scouting and development are priorities in Los Angeles. So will they, again, it's just, it's tough to see them making a move. And then, and then the question is who's out there. Uh, Alberto Vega was traded before this injury. Ryan Copeland was traded a couple weeks ago. Are there frontline starters available? And frontline starters is the package that would be required. We've just never seen them give up major pieces. So 
it's hard to see a frontline starter. So now you're looking more at those mid-tier guys and are those better options than their internal options? Um, they'll have to weigh those decisions. Okay. And, and the other thing we heard from Matt uh, about a, maybe like a week ago, he was talking about uh, bringing Adam Smith up and sending maybe sending down Austin Tate for his struggles. Uh, that has not happened. It doesn't look like, uh, it does look like Tate took that to heart, uh, two, four, six hits over his last four games, risen his batting average, 20 points. Um, I mean, Smith's ready. I mean, we, we've seen this with other teams there. There's no reason for Adam Smith not to be playing at the big league roster other than not having a space for him at this point in time. So it, it does bring the question of, is Smith available? Should Smith be available? But uh, the Angels are an interesting team right now because much like St. Louis, there are areas of offense that scream on paper the Angels have issues. Uh, and that's with power. They're, they're 10th in slugging, 12th in extra base hits, 11th in home runs. But they put the ball in play and they don't strike out. They're first in walks fourth in strikeouts, uh, fifth in run scored, second in on-base percentage. So does Smith provide an upgrade in the middle of the order? The two the, – I think you're right. The, the player Matt mentioned last week and the player you brought up today, Austin Tate's an interesting one. But but Tate also possesses speed that, that I think um, is a priority at the bottom of their order. Smith does as well. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. All right. So let's, let's stay in the – in the AL West and maybe talk about Seattle for, for a couple minutes. They, I mean, 25 and 22, I know most teams would be happy with that, but Seattle has been a contender, you know, for the last several years, they're struggling hitting the ball and they're not really struggling pitching, but not as good as it has been. But, you know, when you lose Holtz and, in that group, it's hard to replace that. You lose Holtz and you make the trade of Elliot Jenkins. You bring in a pitcher and Gary Griffith gets hurt his first start into the season. Uh, yeah. That didn't help. Uh, you lose some of your – you lose Mark Baker. You replace him with George Springer in free agency. George Springer gets hurt three weeks into the season. Uh, you bring in Ramon Zaragoza. He is off to a fantastic start to the year. And he gets injured. So you have three starters uh, on your big league roster that are that are not hurt. And again, every team deals with injuries. It's not an excuse for Seattle. No. Uh, and you're looking at someone like Armando Cabanas, only hitting 265, right on line with where he did last year. But the question I think you have there, a little like Taylor Sparks, is he, should he continue to be hitting in the leadoff spot? That's a question for another day. Francisco Lindor has been fine. Jason Castro just came back from injury, getting up there and with getting up there with age. The contact isn't there, but his on-base percentage is 370. Continues to walk. Jed McKinley, um, just not quite what he used to be. Uh, Machado, 228. The big, the big question mark. Not, I don't even know if question mark is the right one because when you look back. At the trade of Elliot Jenkins. I don't think there was any doubt in Taylor's mind that Elliot Jenkins was a 
talent piece. It was, we also have the likes of Robert Hassel waiting in the wings. We also have the likes of uh, Jake Edmonds waiting Jake in Edmonds. the wings. Yep. So, so, and you already had Cabanas, you know, they, they they have a lot of outfield pieces. So moving Jenkins and getting a what they thought was a frontline starter made perfect sense. Now, did they expect L.A. Jenkins to be as good as he has been in Tampa Bay? I don't know. Uh, would Jenkins, if Jenkins was playing this well in Seattle, be a huge boost to the Mariner offense? You betcha. Uh, but it's one of those situations where it feels like all is going wrong in Seattle. And to your point, they're above 500. They have a ton of guys injured. They're still fine. Still a lot of baseball to play, right? It it's yeah, it's May twenty third. Um, yeah, and there's no doubt that they'll heat up at at some point in the season and make their make their move. Yeah, and as we look at teams making a move right now, I mean the Washington Nationals are nine and one in their last ten, and the Houston Astros are eight and two in their last ten. When you look at Houston, I think the one piece that stands out recently has been the play of Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, right. The power has been showing up more recently on pace for 45 homers, exactly what they needed from him. You're seeing Edgardo Arredondo hit 209 last year, hitting 308 this year. So he's figured it out. Uh, we all knew this offense was going to get going. It's starting to. Uh, season-long stats still aren't where they would want them to be in Houston, but they're trending out 14-5 and five here in May. And then the Nationals, we pointed out earlier, 9-1 and one in their last 10, um, the starters. It's all about their starting rotation and doing it without Mark Davies, who's still injured uh, for another week or so. But Travail's been good. Reed's been good. One-two punch, bottom of the rotation, John Simpson – uh, one start been good, and then the bullpen. Coer, Vizcayeno, Austin, seven, eight, nine, shutting the door down. So they're they're shortening the game with a with a talented rotation. Uh, it's working. Awesome. So as we get ready to wrap up our time, what do you expect to see over the next few weeks? Are you expecting there to be some more big names on the trade market, or are you just expecting people to hold back and wait for? the trade deadline and see if they're still in contention. Uh, I expect Kyle Redatz to be traded from New York. Um, while the angels I was told dropped out, I've also heard that there were numerous suitors for Redatz and we saw Alberto Vega's trade. I don't see any reason at this point then why the Mets would keep Redatz. So I expect him to be moved. I still think there are pieces in Chicago with the Cubs that while they won't be given away, I think the Cubs will continue to be aggressive in fielding offers for pieces like Urias and Lux. So I, and, and Alex Ramirez is still in Chicago, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, so there are pieces right. in Chicago that I still expect to be moved. Uh, I think the Pirates, I think they're done at this point in time for now. Um, looking around the league, other teams, Tampa Bay's a wild card. We continue to hear, we saw it with Ethan Reed in that trade, trading a, a position strength, but there's still other, other arms that I think 
if they can find that premium bat, they'd be willing to move some talented arms. I just don't know if there's a premium bat out there. Um, the Tigers, uh, the Tigers are an interesting team too. I know there's frustrations with the way the Twins are playing and the Tigers feeling like they should be closer. Do they uh, make a swing for the fences and, and do something big? And uh, a, a team like Oakland, we we've seen the VAs not not shying away from uh, the spotlight and, and a willingness to get better. Um, another team that kind of could fit the bill uh, as a as a trade buyer. And then I guess the last team would be the Diamondbacks, twenty two and twenty six, still eight games out, five and five in their last ten. But that I think included a sweep of the Pirates, uh, so aided their uh, recent trends well with that series um but still not where they expected to be so so what will arizona do those are those that's that's what caught my eye what about yours yeah uh same a lot of the same teams caught my eye i really like what texas did in the skull trade you know i kansas city is a team that you know flashes at me because chappy thinks they're supposed to be much better than they are Right, you're not supposed to be 12 and a half games out, even behind Cleveland in the standings. Uh, and we've seen him be aggressive and, and make a couple of moves already. Or, or you know, they, are they starting to get desperate, falling so far back that you know they're going to pull a trigger on another uh, blockbuster trade? And Tampa's always the one that you know I predicted them to win the division at the beginning of the year. Comey told me I was crazy. But he's out there and he's making the moves to to try to win a division this year. He sees that the Blue Jays are vulnerable. So and, he sees and it. I, but uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, go ahead. Just just with your points, I was looking a couple things stand out to me with that. The Blue Jays still are a plus fifty run differential. That's still eleven runs better than Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay seven and one in extra innings. The Royals one in seven. So. Some luck involved, some strength involved with your bullpens. Uh, is Tampa Bay lucky with their seven and one extra inning record? Should Kansas City be focused on improving their bullpen to to improve what's a one and seven extra inning, three and eight one run record? Uh, because that has killed Kansas City. Yeah, and like I said, the and Arizona is going to be interesting to watch because Kimberly's not afraid to go and do what she needs to do to make a run at it and Colorado. I love the moves that Colorado is making to and to be up front, even above the Dodgers at this stage is much higher than I thought. I thought that they would be, you know, in third place floating around the wild card again, but they're really performing well this year. They have, they have. Awesome. Any last, words before we uh end today uh just taking a quick look at slack seeing if i've missed anything this morning uh doesn't look like it um nothing that comes to mind um running this down uh no i i'm out of uh of things to say at this point in time <laughs> Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, and filling uh, Comey's shoes and uh, giving us some insight on recent trades and what's going on in MLB Pro. Thank you for having me as always. Always a joy to step in and talk to you. Great.
Thank you very much. And we'll talk at you next time.